Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Playing sport with your other half is something many couples enjoy. Mind you, some of them dread it, but my next guests have taken that to a whole new level. Kate and Helen Richardson-Walsh are the first ever same-sex married couple to win an Olympic gold medal, which was achieved in Rio in 2016, after winning an incredible number of medals previously between them. And between them, they have nearly 700, yes, 700 international caps achieved between 1999 and 2016. I'm not only extremely excited to get the chance to speak to both of these lovely ladies today, but for those people who may not know very much about me, I used to play hockey, not nearly to as good a standard as these two ladies. Um, Iconic in their own particular profession, Um, groundbreakers, all of the things that goes with that, injury, an incredible career in a sport, which is, I'm very pleased to say, become much more popular in recent years, largely because it's come on in terms of standards quite a lot since I was playing it back in the day. But to Kate and Helen, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. I'm personally very excited about this because we're going to go in all kinds of different directions with today's conversation. Us too. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, we like, we like tangents. They're ready. <laughs> Excellent. Well, as we said at the start of the show, just before we, we came on live today, uh, let's just have a little metaphorical chat down the pub with a glass of wine. So... For the non-sporty listeners in the 48 countries that we now reach, uh, a little bit about your your backgrounds. I mean, anybody that follows sport, particularly hockey, will know all about the two of you. But for those who don't, just a little bit about who you are and you can decide between yourselves who goes first. Uh, I'll go. So I'm Kate and I um, was born in Withington in Manchester and I grew up in Stockport, which is just south of Manchester um, and didn't start playing hockey till I went to secondary school. So I was 11, 12 and it was just one of the sports we did in, in PE lessons at my local comprehensive. Um, and I'd been doing a lot of swimming, a lot of gymnastics and I'd watched my mum play a lot of hockey, but I hadn't really picked up a stick myself. And as soon as I started playing, I loved it. I loved being part of a team. I loved all these random people who hated each other in the school day, um, but would come together and and play on this team and have each other's back no matter what. And that's where the love grew. I had a really passionate PE teacher and very supportive parents. And my sister and I both played county, territory, junior England, and then kind of went through the the ranks all the way through to to seniors. Um, It was a it was a, a mostly kind of smooth ride. There was a few bumps in the road early on, which were, which were quite important for me. But um, it, for me, it was just, you know, I wasn't, I was never one of the best players on the pitch. You wouldn't necessarily pick me out. Um, but there was just something I loved about it. And it was transformational for me as a person um, in lots of ways. So yeah, that's, that's a quick whistle stop of me. I love that. You wouldn't necessarily pick me out. Somebody went on to win as many international caps. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. She's too modest. She's too modest. She is Um, modest. I've I've watched her play. She is modest. 
So, yeah, so for me, I, I grew up in a really sporty family. I've got three older brothers and sport was basically everything in our household. I played hockey, cricket, football, tennis, like you name it, we played it. Um, my dad used to play hockey and cricket in particular. And so that's why hockey was one of the sports that we played. And I just I, I just played sport literally every single day of my life. You know, the summer holidays were about playing sport um, long into the to the the the, the summer sun. And um, yeah, I joined my first hockey club when I was seven and I, I actually played hockey at a club mainly. I did a little bit of school, but not much. And that was in West Bridgeford in Nottingham. Um, and then, yes, similar to Kate in terms of my journey up to the senior England team, I, I played county, Midlands, um, and then junior England and made my debut when I was my senior debut when I was 17. So still at school um, and having to kind of balance all of that kind of stuff. But for me, hockey was the thing that was my biggest priority. Um, and that always came over schoolwork. <laughs> <laughs> you, you talk about um, hockey being, you know, it's a team game. We'll talk about team and, and what makes a great team in, in, in a second. Is hockey what brought you two together as well? Because, I mean, obviously opposite ends of the country. So... <laughs> Yeah, so we, uh, the first time we, it was a bit of a story actually, isn't there? The first time we met, well, kind of met, would have been at the under 16 England trials. Um, Kate, who's a, um, a little bit older than me, got selected the year before. And so this was my first time at the trials. And um, Kate didn't get selected that year, which was a, a turning point for her. But this was the first year I got selected. And I remember then going to my first training session after selection. And there was all this chat about like, oh, Kate Walsh hasn't been selected. Kate Walsh hasn't been selected. And I'm like, who is this Kate Walsh? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then so the following year, we, you know, go to trials again for the this time the under 18s. And, and we both get selected for the under 18s. And that's probably the first time we, we um yeah, we properly meet each other and, and then start to get to know each other as friends. Yeah. And then we just got, became closer and closer friends, really, through the through the years, because we were probably the two. There was, a, was probably about four of us that kind of got into seniors a bit early, still as teenagers, and then kind of kept stayed together all the way through. So that was that was quite nice to have to have other people to kind of do it alongside. So it was Kate's iconic status that, uh, that, drew, <laughs> That's right. that, that drew you Even, to her. <laughs> exactly. Even from back then, she was uh, <laughs> put up there. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Now, I've been desperate to ask you both this, this question because I think hockey and your respective experiences um, through all the years that you've been playing competitive hockey at a very, very high level. And, and I guess probably for me you know I'm I'm quite a bit older than two of you so I remember the Seoul Olympics and the and the men winning gold and there was something really special about that team and uh, I'm sure you'll comment on that as there was uh in 2016 for you so I guess the question is what makes a great team and I know that's a massive open-ended question but over the years we've produced loads and loads and loads of really good hockey players but there was always something we always kind of underachieved didn't we let's be honest um, okay, we're competing with the Australians and the Dutch and the Indians. and But what made that team so special? What makes a great team? Is it, you know, 11 fantastically talented players or is it something else? I mean, I, I mean it helps if you have 11, 11 fantastically uh, technical players. But I think for us, 
Um, we had we did have some world class players, but I think we knew that in order to really compete with everybody else, it was going to be a, a whole squad effort. Not even just the sixteen that were selected or that with the reserve in the reserves. It was it was thirty one or twenty eight. Everybody pushing everybody every single day, and that that empowerment to kind of drive and take responsibility for who we were and how we wanted to be and how we trained and how often we trained and how, you know, what training looked like and what, how we formed bonds of trust and respect kind of off the field of play as well. And I think it, it was all of those things. It transpired, I think, particularly through the last kind of eight years or so of our careers when we were had that centralized full-time program. Um, that was the real foundational piece, I think, for, for the consistent success of, of that squad yeah, I think it's a really it's a really great question because it, it, the answer is never simple, no. and and the, the the reason because of that is is because no team is the same. Yeah, like you know we played for eighteen nearly eighteen years, and every single year was slightly different because there would have been someone who was slightly different within it, and that changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, and then you've got different coaches and and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that was the beauty of our our team for for Rio and and London. You know, our culture for both of those Olympic cycles was was rock solid when it when it was at its best. And I think that was because yes, we had a really clear vision. Um, we we knew what we wanted to be about, but we also incorporated the individuality within that um, and really welcomed our difference and kind of. Um, yeah, use that as a strength and try to leverage on that as much as possible. Um, so, but that's why it's, you know, it's such a, uh, that's why we kind of, mm. you know, want to get under the skin of, of these people. Cause it's like, what, what is it? What is the difference? Um, and, and that's what it was for us. Yeah. I definitely think a bit of healthy friction as well. Cause I, you know, I was, what well, I was, I've been eight when the men won the, won the gold in Seoul. And so I don't remember too much, but afterwards I remember hearing people talk about, oh, they, they didn't get on at all. And the, there was like, you know, there was lots of competing kind of personalities and there was, and actually I think when I remember hearing talk, people talk about it, it was said in a negative way, but actually I think that was probably one of their greatest strengths. They, they, they did have quite a lot of difference in that team, different ethnicities, different cultures, different personalities. And actually it was all of that brought together and that, that friction caused some healthy conflict and actually probably got them to form those. Cause they were clearly, you could see they were tight as a team, like when they played. Um, and this, you know, when you see them now, you, you know, you still see them together now, they still keep in touch with one another there's something special there. Um, and I think that's that, that trust and respect and, and probably some getting through some of that conflict together um, really made that special. So from teams to leading teams, because obviously Kate, you were, you were captain. Um, Helen, you stepped in, uh, I think what for a couple of games, something like that when Kate broke her jaw, if I'm right in thinking question one, obviously is, did you break her jaw to make sure you got a, a stint as captain? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to know, uh, you know, when you're leading a team, again, you, you use the word dynamic, completely different role uh, and, and all the pressures that come with it. What, as a, as a leader, oh, it was, you've both experienced it, as leaders of that team, what did you try to embed in the players? Was it, was it simply, you know, do as I do? Did you have a particular mantra or philosophy? Was it about trying to knit everyone together? What, what makes a good leader of a team? I think first and foremost, I think I would say that the, the most powerful thing was that everybody was encouraged to lead 
because first and foremost, everybody had to lead themselves. And I think that was one of the most important points is that everybody can be a leader. And it's about, you know, signing up to and challenging yourself against the behaviors that you want to show the thoughts that you have, the words that you say, what you, you know, how you interact with other people, it matters. <laughs> it matters whether you've got a C next to your name or a VC, if you're a vice captain or, or you've been there two minutes, you, you are impacting other people around you every day. Um, so I think that was really important. And, and it really is, from my point of view, it was about just thinking about the standards, setting my own standards against the culture that we built and trying to push myself against that every day. And I think that, I think, gives you then the license to then challenge other people around you if you are seen to and are pushing yourself and challenging yourself against that every day. And then and then trying to create environments where people can be the best version of themselves as often and as regularly as possible. So connecting with people, building relationships with people. I think that they're some of the key things for me that really matter. Yeah. And, and same, same for me. And I think that that was the beauty of our culture, that, that it was, that it was everybody that was empowered to kind of build the culture that we all wanted to live by. And, and we had, you know, we actually had, uh, we were voted in as leaders within yeah. the group. So Kate was voted in as the captain. I was voted in as part of the, the leadership group and vice captain at times. And we had a very clear um, direction and, and thing to lead on in terms of our our vision, values, and behaviours. And you know, it it was it was in some ways it was a lot simpler at the end than it was at the start because yeah. it was just like, okay, this is what we've decided we want to be about as a team. We want you to lead this team, and so it was like, okay, well, I just I I live by these things, and I encourage and challenge you all to do the same um and i mean you know kind of i think we both say that we're we're very very different to what we were 20 years ago in terms of just ourselves but also as leaders mm. um i know i'm a very different person probably because of the experiences i've had mm. it's made me a lot more empathetic um it's made me a lot more it's made me understand the importance of those connections and those relationships um, at a much deeper level, which which I, I knew were important at, at the start, but I didn't really appreciate how important yeah. they were. Yeah. Yeah. Helen, I'm going to ask you about your injury uh, because a lot of people, whether it's sport or business, and I guess there's a parallel now with, you know, the experiences that people have, not always positive. Uh, you know, we've talked about all this amazing success uh, and, you know, for nearly two decades, you rode the crest of a wave playing at a very high level. But for you in particular, Helen, a couple of years, I think spinal disc hernia, two operations, mentally and physically, very difficult to cope with, no doubt, particularly when you're in the middle of a, you know, such an amazing career and a sport that you love. How do you deal with the, the moments when it doesn't all go according to plan? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think that time from, with my back injury, I don't think I dealt with it particularly well, if I'm honest. And it that and I guess that's where a lot of my learning came from. Um case case pulling a funny yeah, face. Yeah. I feel like I didn't necessarily from from the inside. Um I, but that's where I know that I and I know most of us are, are too hard on ourselves. And and actually I think that's probably the first answer to the question actually is then we need to be 
kind to ourselves. So when when we fail, which we will, we will fail and fail and fail over and over again. And whether that will be through an injury or for us a non-selection or you know failing in in any kind of business sense, um, just I think just being kind to yourself and not then exacerbating that by getting mad at yourself as well, which is what I did. And um, I then kind of, yeah, was pretty angry with a lot of stuff and really let that affect me as a person and I kind of lost myself. And so I think that's the first thing, be kind, be kind to yourself. Um, And then one of the things that really helped me get back on track was, well, firstly, like really connecting with people and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing was I used mindfulness to to really um, not to help myself not judge my thoughts. I was someone who's a really kind of I'm a real thinker, and I got into some negative thinking spirals, and I needed to stop that. And I really learned and kind of practiced and trained myself that when those thoughts came in, to to really just kind of notice them and not judge them and then again, get angry with myself. So, so that was really helpful. And then also um, I concentrated on my strengths and what I could actually then bring to the team. Once I was, was back in it, I'd kind of lost all my confidence. And so when I came back into the team, the thing that I needed to focus on was what I could do, not anybody else, not looking at X, Y, and Z and thinking, oh, I wish I could do that. But actually, what can I bring to this team that is unique, that nobody else has, and just go and deliver that with, with, with as much confidence as I could? And, and what, what about it for you, Kate? Because clearly the bear with the sore head needs quite a lot of support, right? So is she as angry as she says she was? She doesn't strike me as the angry kind of person, <laughs> but maybe she's done with it now. Maybe she's over that. <laughs> no, I think it was really hard. It's really hard to see someone you love going through that, going through that difficult time. Um, and not, I'm a fully signed up member to the people pleasing club. Um, I really want to help people in any way, shape or form. And to, to feel that you can't help um, in any tangible, meaningful way in terms of actions is, is, is challenging, but the, obviously the most, challenging thing is is how is what that other person is going through and so I think it is that that understanding that listening that giving space and really tuning into what that person needs and I think we did do a lot of work in the team latterly around kind of managing states so kind of what am I like when I'm in a good place what am I like when I'm in a bad place what do I want but also really what do I need so you know we'll either people will either isolate themselves or they'll kind of go into quite toxic behaviors because they're kind of in self-preservation mode like what 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 do you do what's your go-to thing and then you know can we with support find the things that we actually need to do do you know do you need to interact as Helen said interact and be social and be around the group or actually do you need to pull away a little bit and give yourself a bit of thinking time and breathing space and I think all of that really really helped but as you know as much as Helen learned about herself at that time I learned so much about what support I need to give Helen in those times as well going forward. What what did you both find most challenging about competing because I mean we all know competing at any kind of level in sport or in business for as long as you both have has its own set of pressures. And uh, we'll talk in a little bit about the transition to, you know, the world after hockey. Uh, but what were the particular challenges that you both faced in terms of competition 
and performing at such a high level, notwithstanding injury, but you know how it affected your lives uh, because it's a you know it's not a turn up with a hockey stick on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. This is a full time twenty four seven career, right, for nineteen years. So, what were the particular challenges that you faced, and how did you deal with them? I think it's. Um... You have to kind of I have to really take myself back to what it felt like to be in it, because now I look back mm-hmm. and I look at it as that kind of broad thing and say, you know, how lucky was I? How grateful am I? But mm-hmm. <laughs> if I go back into me in that time, there were days when I know I had the best job in the world, but it was really hard to find motivation. My body hurt. My mind hurt. It was it was a struggle. You know, maybe I didn't, I'd lost some form or I'd lost my confidence or I was struggling with a bit of a niggle or an injury. And you know, if affected by something in some way. And it's that, can you just find the way to be there, be present and turn up for your teammates and still give all of yourself, um, whatever that is on any given day and still try and help everybody else around you at the same time. And I think that's the thing that I loved the most and I missed the most, but it was also the most challenging. You've yeah. just, you've just, you've just hit a nail on the head. I'm going to ask um, Helen, if it's okay to pick up on this, but You've just hit a huge nail on the head here, Kate, because loads and loads of people email us and say, ah, yes, but, you know, Kate's just built that way. She, you know, she's hurting physically, mentally. She doesn't want to sh- show up in the driving rain, but she does it. And it's just because she's built that way. And I, and I can never uh, aspire to achieve greatness like she could. And a lot of people really struggle to just get over the, t- over the brow of the hill, metaphorically. So there is something about those really successful people in life that that find a way to get over the hill where everyone else is still looking up it so I guess I'm sure Helen was going to add to what you said but maybe you could think about answering that particular question for people Helen which is how the hell do I get over the hill instead of just pulling the duvet over my head <laughs> and, and, and just staying in bed where it's nice and warm I know I mean I think that one of the biggest things for me was was having a really clear goal that I wanted to achieve. Um, so that that was that was one thing. And and when when in those days where you don't want to get out of bed, when like Kate was saying, your body was hurting for us physically, it was it, that was really challenging. And mentally, you're fed up with the people around you, which which sounds really bad. But when you're when you're in, you know, you're you're seeing the same people every day, and you're being challenged. It's hard, and and it. And I think it's good to be honest about those things. Um, And so I think when you're in those moments, if you have a really clear goal and you know why you're doing what you're doing, that can then help you get out of bed and and keep going. That was one of the things that kept me going. Um, I think also for us, I know Kate feels the same, that we often thought about our team as well and actually they kept us going because we couldn't, we didn't want to let them down. Um, so that was also um, something that, that really helped keep the motivation up. And I think that's the thing. I don't think, I don't think there's like a one size fits all. It's, it's just finding what's right for you. What is the thing that's going to motivate you mm. to, to, to keep going in those moments? Um, you know, we often say, um, you know, I don't particularly like, <coughs> I, this might sound strange to your listeners, but I, I don't particularly like exercise. Um, and so now that I've retired from sport, exercise is like a, a thing that I know I need to do because it does keep me healthy physically and mentally. Um, 
but and so for me finding the motivation to do that exercise it might be because actually if i if i you know run x miles or do it however many times a week i'll give myself a treat at the end of the week and that's motivation that's going to you know keep me doing the right thing and the right behaviors so it's just finding that motivation what is the thing that's going to get you get you going and keep you going mm. I um, I have a similar uh, philosophy. I have a relationship with chocolate, which is very, very unhealthy. Um, but I go to the gym every day. And as long as the feeling, the emotion associated with the euphoria of how I feel afterwards is stronger than the pain I go through to get there, then I'll keep doing it. I think when when it goes the other way, then I'm in, then I'm in a lot of trouble. Um, did you did you cope the same way as you've just described, which was brilliantly answered, by the way? Did you cope with those little disappointments of not being picked and anything else that happened during your career those well let's call them disappointments Did, same same mental process yeah I mean I think yeah. there's that yeah there's that definite I think need to sit with and really feel whatever it is you're feeling upset anger shame loss like whatever it is I think feel it and I think for the longest time I was quite like you know I'm very emotional actually I should shut some of that down because maybe it's unhealthy and it's not going to help me but actually once I realized I I should I am emotional actually that's my greatest strength to tap into those feelings and then once I've kind of gone through that process of understanding them and sitting with them using that to really fuel me onto something better and if I look back through my, my life not just my hockey career but all the kind of low points something amazing happened off the back of it and I think it's like harnessing that emotion and just using it as a fire in your belly to just push you on yeah. to the next thing um, I think that that's kind of what yeah. I'm that, that definitely like we would for, for, for athletes and sports people um, you get natural points of time when you reflect and for us <laughs> I mean pretty much for the whole of my career until the very end after every tournament I would be disappointed <laughs> because we hadn't won it and and I remember just after every tournament I'd be upset I'd be down I'd be disappointed but then I'd be like right what can we do now mm. and then let's look forward how can we be better how can we improve and that was always that was always there constantly. Mm. I just want to be better. I want to I want to win something, and that was the motivation. And the consistently good teams, the ones that win and win and win again, yeah. are the ones that can win and still have that mindset. Yeah. Still think, oh, where can we be better? Where's the gap? What's the next thing? And they they remotivate themselves again. They're never done. They're never finished. And I think that's that's the magic. If you can get there, that's it. I hear the experience uh, coming out in both of you in terms of what you're saying. And I guess that leads nicely to another question I had in my mind to ask you both today. You know, what you you won gold in 2016, quite late in your careers. You knew coming to the end of your career. So I suppose, I mean, talk about going out on a high. It doesn't come any better, does it? Was it, does, does I don't know. Let me, let me be careful how I phrase this because I don't want to be disrespectful. Does, does natural raw talent eventually get replaced by experience and, you know, was it the experience that kind of carried you both over the line, got you to where you wanted to get to in 2016? I mean, you clearly changed. You've described the fact that over time you change new experiences, more philosophical, kinder to yourself, maybe. What was it that, that kind of got you to the, to the finishing line? I mean, I think in terms of the team, it was a blend of, of all of that that you've just said. And that's the reason, one of the reasons why mm. we won. So you had that completely 
raw youthful fearlessness you know the just the the lack of attachment to um outcome and actually just the what the want to just go out and do it show yourself with I think then some players who'd been there for a, a kind of a medium amount of time who kind of knew what it was about but were still fighting for their place and then there was a group of experienced players who had experienced a lot of difficulty loss and you know frankly mediocrity and wanted so badly to turn that around mm. and I think it was the combination of all of that and and each of those players having the same value and voice and volume of voice, I think for me, that was the key to that group. Yeah. In terms of us, I think, yeah. you know, we obviously, I think our experience really helped us and the team at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we wouldn't have been there with just experience. We still needed to be obviously, you know, at the top of our game. And, and that was, that was questioned for both of us at yeah. the end of our career. So, so when, when that final selection came out for the Rio Olympic <laughs> games, we were very, very relieved and very happy. <laughs> um, and I guess the, I've got two other questions I just would like to ask in the time we've got left. Number one would be uh, what's, what's next. And, and I guess starting just before you answer that question, the transition from a life in sport, because it was a life in sport, to something else, and, and I'm sure you'll tell us what that something else is in a minute. Uh, how how difficult was the transition for you? I guess maybe slightly easier because you you know you were playing together, living together. Um, but how difficult has the transition been, and how did you deal with that? I guess mentally more than anything else. I mean, I think it was it was easier because um, we were together and we were going through it together in some regards, probably in some ways it made it harder, but um, we were also very, very lucky to have gone out in our control at the very top. That doesn't happen for to many athletes and to many people. So but that helped massively. Mm. It opened doors for us that certainly would not have opened uh, up to us before, um, particularly kind of, you know, keynote speaking and going into businesses and companies and corporates. And Helen was... Um, had studied a, a psychology um, degree um, while she was playing and then did a master's in organisation psychology. And that's kind of the route that we've, we've both got, gone down and now going down together. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely taken time. I mean, you said the other day, it's been almost like the Olympic cycle. It's mm. taken, you know, well, five years in the end um, to real fully feel like we are now seeing what in front of us is an opportunity rather than a, you know, just kind of just pushing kind of fog out of the way. It just, it felt very difficult and very challenging for a few years, even though we were very lucky to have gone out at the top. Yeah, there's there's lots of lots of change. Obviously, we we both kind of had ideas of where we wanted to go, but actually doing that um, was was challenging at times. We had low moments um, just just because. <laughs> and 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 that was also okay and also expected, which I think also helped. Um, and then we we've also written a book, which um, is actually coming out at the end of October. So that's really exciting, and we're wanting to 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 properly start our own own business off the back of that, and really work with people yeah. so we've you know we do keynotes and 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 talks and things like that but then we leave and we're like ah we want to actually like you know <laughs> help people and really work with with a team um so that's what we're we're wanting to do so yeah it's exciting um and thankfully we can we can see it as an exciting time ahead tell us about the book yeah so it's called winning together um and it's it kind of 
it's it's our experiences really it's stories that we've kind of experienced over our career and it's sharing how we think you build better teams how do you create the team that you want to be a part of and yeah it's out on the 28th of October so yeah it's a nice mixture of storytelling also quite interactive so we've kind of posed lots of questions for you in each chapter and um, there's like things things to try activities to try so particularly around some of the psychological tools that we use as athletes and yeah we wanted to just yeah, put what we had experienced out there, which is quite slightly scary. Well, we, we love a good book. We love a good book on the Sandro Forty podcast. So we will be purchasing five copies to give away to listeners. They all know how it works. We'll deal with that in the outro. So there's there's five sold for you. Um, <laughs> I, I have one. I have one kind of final question before we get to the last two questions. Um, and I think you are probably the first podcast guest I've ever been able to ask this question to. We get lots of people who say, you know, working with my, my spouse and, you know, and living with my spouse is a nightmare. Um, how, how on earth do you work together and play together? I mean, it's 24-7 it's and it's been that way for a long time. And you are, you know, a, you know exceptional couple, um, clearly very happy, which is lovely to see. But there's got to be a secret to, to, to longevity and to, I mean, everyone has their ups and downs, of course. But how do, what's the secret, ladies? Come on, my give, us, those, give us your my secret. Answer, my answer to those people would be, why are they your spouse? <laughs> <laughs> good answer, really good answer. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think we obviously, we obviously love spending lots of time together yeah. because we are married and we have committed our lives together. Um, however, we, we definitely did have to, learn how to make time for ourselves for each other and for the couple and for us as teammates as well when we were back in the team and it was definitely a, a learning um I was still we, we, we were still, still learning, learning. Yeah. yeah sometimes those well they, they, they get blurry those lines get blurry and where does the the professional Helen and Kate end and the couple start and two separate entities. And, you know, now we've got a daughter, so that throws the kind of that into the mix as well. And it's, it's just really important that you just talk about it mm. and, you know, just say, look, I'm overloaded at the moment, or I think we need some time together as a couple actually. And, or do you know what hells, I just need a morning to myself to just kind of get X, Y, and Z done. But, and you know, when we don't have those conversations, you can just feel like some of that frustration and, um emotion just piling up and that, and it's just been able to talk in that way i think so apart from the book um final couple of questions i'm in the blink of an eye our time is gone um <laughs> you'll both be relieved about that i'm sure um i did warn you I, I was no piers morgan um but nevertheless thank you so much for talking to us today final quick couple of questions for those who want to find out more about you find the book if they're not lucky enough to win a copy how do how do we connect with you? How do we find you? Are you you on social media? Is there a website? Tell us you know how we get hold of a copy of the book, presumably on Amazon. But um, yeah, just the, the the connection channels, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, so um, you can go on to johnmurraypress.com and search for our book and it'll, t- it'll show all the places you can. So if you don't want to go to Amazon, totally fine. There's lots of other choices uh, of booksellers on there that you can you can use. Um, our business um, is Be Create Inspire. So you can find us uh, on a website. We are almost ready to go, um, becreateinspire.com. And then we are individually on social media. So um, Kate Walsh 11... Helen Richardson underscore underscore eight eight on Instagram and it's H underscore Richardson eight on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm Kate Walsh 11 GB on Instagram. But yeah, we're we're, we're on there. We're pretty um, interactive. Um, But yeah, we we love connecting with people. So yeah, on LinkedIn, just give us a search. And yeah, we love just creating a nice network of, of lots of different people, lots of different opinions and thoughts and comments and stuff. Well, I will be first to do that. Um, the, the final question to both of you, um, your daughter comes up to you and says, uh, you know, I have stood back in admiration and looked at all the things you achieved in sport as a couple, you know, role models, um, just two fantastic people. What's the, what's the secret to success in life? Let's call it that. If there was one thing that transcended all others, one simple rule to live your life by, and I can almost preempt what uh, what Kate's going to say, but because um, she's the people pleaser. But um, if if there was one one rule above all the others for each of you, what would it be? For me, it would be accept yourself wholly for all that you are, the things you don't like, the things that you think a bit meh, and the things that you love and really love them. Um, I think except uh, I, I, it's, it's constant it's a constant struggle I think for me and it, and it always will be but I think that is the most important thing I've learned yeah my answer would be similar so it would be to, to be you be yourself and follow your own path mm-hmm. don't don't follow anybody else do what do what you want to do what makes you happy there are no rules go and break the rules that are out there um, do what do you <laughs> yeah love it Thank you both so much. Um, absolutely fantastic. I go on speaking to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, and hopefully we do get the opportunity to uh, to speak, connect again, because uh, not least because I think there are lots of opportunities, particularly given what you're doing now um, in terms of my personal network and, and other people who ha- have inquired about a number of our guests. And I'm sure we'll be making inquiries of you as well. So um, to Kate and Helen, Richardson Walsh, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Good luck with the book and all you are continuing to do. Um, you are two absolute gems of, of world sport um, and two lovely people to go with it. So that is a perfect combination. So thank you both very much indeed. I'm really glad we had the opportunity to have you as guests today. Oh, it's our thank pleasure. You. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you, of course, to all of you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Do get the book, check out these two lovely ladies and make sure you join us next week for another inspiring guest or guests. Uh, achieving uh, their own success, overcoming life challenges. You know how the drill works. Uh, do remember to email us. It's at Sandro's podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook uh, and you can email us hello at sandrospodcast.com or of course through the iTunes or Spotify channels. Do leave those reviews on iTunes because that's how you get to win one of the copies of the five books we will be giving away. And do connect with me. It's at Sandro Forty on Twitter and the real Sandro Forty on Instagram and Facebook. I will be connecting with Kate and Helen 
for sure. So until this time next week, thank you again to Kate and Helen, to all of you listening from around the world for another guest this time next week. Goodbye for now.